Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to the God, Trump, and 2020 election podcast. We are only 49 days away from the election on Tuesday, September 15th, and I'm so happy today to have a guest who is very, very involved in this election because he's also running, and uh, he's an interesting guy. He actually did an interview with me about my book. In fact, I think we've done several interviews. He's a radio talk show host in California. He also calls himself a government watchdog, and he writes editorials for the newspaper. And so he is up to date. His name is Andy Caldwell. And actually, in my interview with him, he mentioned that he was running for Congress in the California 24th District. And I was intrigued. And I said, I want to do a podcast with you because, number one, you're a strong Christian. You're running for Congress in a time that the Republicans really need to take back the House of Representatives. And so I just want to talk to you about what caused you to run. I know that they told me that they recruited you, but really, what caused you to run? And maybe you can just bring us up to date a little bit about that election, which is in the Central Coast area of California. You live between San Luis Obispo and Santa Maria. The rest of us in the country barely know where that is, but it's north of L.A. and it's south of Monterey on the coast. It's a beautiful part of the country. In fact, my sister lives out there. I'll have to send her the link to the podcast so she knows I gave my sister Karen a shout out. But let me get back to my guest and Andy and just thank you for taking time from a busy schedule and juggling your schedule to be on my podcast today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's an honor to be with you. Okay, let's talk about this election. Of course, this podcast is about the election of Donald Trump you know, ties into my book. We talk about a lot of different issues, but part of it is just the direction of the country. And it's going to take more than one politician, Donald Trump, winning one election. I mean, we need to win elections up and down the slate, you know, all over the country and cities and states and congressional districts, uh, senatorial races and so forth. So, What is happening out there in the 24th district in California? Well, Stephen, one of the questions you ask is, you know, what's happening, but also why did I get into the race? I have been a government watchdog for 30 years. I've been a disciple for 40 years, and I never had any desire to get into politics. I would rather be in the ministry, to tell you the truth, but God had different plans for uh, many different reasons. And to tell you the truth, what I saw in America, and and part of this is due to my work on radio and in newspapers, because I comment on things and analyze things going on in our society, is what I, if I had to characterize it for a Christian audience, I would say that America is losing its soul. And what's going on in secular terms is been characterized as the end of the American empire the end of Western civilization, the end of Judeo-Christian heritage, that we're the last bastion uh, or remnant of those things. And I did not want to go down without a fight. And so my goal, my goal is to remind America and Americans of what our heritage is and why it's worth preserving. And so running for office, I've been doing that on my show and on the column for a long time, but I haven't reached as many people as an election could reach. So I'm trying to articulate these values, these precepts of the founding of our country. And one of the ways I explained it last Friday, I spoke at a 9-11 memorial celebration. 
And what I talked about is, you know, our founding fathers talked about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But they also talked about pledging their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. And to tell you the truth, you can't have one without the other. You can't have rights without responsibility. And you cannot have blessings without sacrifice and duty. And I believe that we've got to get back to that point where we know that we owe the creation of this country and the sustenance of this country to belief in God, to returning to being one nation under God, and basically respecting the unalienable rights, but also the responsibilities, values, virtues, and duties that go with them. Well, let's drill down a little bit. You know, you're preaching the choir as far as I'm concerned, and I talk about a lot of these things in my book as well. And, you know, here you are an example of someone who is really pledging your sacred honor. I mean, you're putting everything on the line. You're in a district that has a Democratic incumbent. It's a state that is heavily Democratic, but yet you're running as a Republican What makes you think that you can actually win this race? Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, in terms of sheer numbers, it's a Democratic district. But what people don't understand about this particular portion of coastal California is we're the last vestige of agriculture and semi-rural communities on the coast. So to tell you the truth, portions of this region have more in common with Oklahoma and Iowa than they do with Los Angeles or San Francisco. And I can win it for that reason alone, i.e. many of the Democrats here are working class Democrats versus coastal elite Democrats that are all too common in California. And the work I've been doing for 30 years, I'm a public figure, and that's one of the reasons I got recruited. I've been a public figure fighting for higher quality of life, better jobs, more affordable housing, manufacturing industry, and things like that. And I'm known for that. That's why people wanted me to run is because they believe that I could win this district. And the wild card here, and let me back up a little bit. The reason I want to talk to the choir is the choir doesn't get out and vote after choir practice. I've spoke to about 10 churches, and I've spoken with 40 pastors in this region, informing them that if the Christians voted in California, we'd be a red state, especially Catholics and Christians, along with uh, Mormons and other faith groups. We would be a red state, but they don't vote. They gave up a long time ago. And if they would just vote, we could win on that basis alone. And the problem with Republicans is, you know, our party's been divided. Our platform is not consistent. We've not demonstrated that we care about the upward mobility of the poor and new immigrants. And we've got plenty of those in this district. And I have a record of advocating for them because I want to see them raised up. Well, good for you. And I think that that's very important. And you're right. The Republicans are often their worst enemies in terms of they shoot themselves in the foot. You know, but it's a new day. And the divisions in our country, and especially the way that the Democratic Party has gone so far left. I mean, it's been liberal my entire lifetime, but liberals are very different than the far left. Liberals have more in common with conservatives than they do with the far left. But, you know, the drumbeat in the media and entertainment and so forth is that it's inevitable that they win. 
that Joe Biden, who is one of the weakest candidates, in my opinion, the weakest candidate the Democrats have put up in my lifetime. And I can remember all the races going back to John F. Kennedy. I was a child, of course, but I remember that race. And, you know, this Democratic Party is not the party of John F. Kennedy, that's for sure. Absolutely. I was a Democrat half my life, Stephen, and the party left me. Well, you know what? We had that in common. Full disclosure, I was a Democrat, too, for the first half of my career, but the issues were very different. The issues back then yes. uh, were the Vietnam War and civil rights. Some of these other issues had not come up, and also the Democrats weren't as far left. So there is a shift. Hopefully, Donald Trump is going to win. Uh, you know, there's probably no chance he'll win California, but, you know, maybe there will be some coattails in your district. Uh, we can hope for that. But when I found out that you were running, First of all, I went on the website and, you know, checked out what you had to say. In fact, I want you to tell me how people can go on the website, too. And then I made a contribution. It wasn't your largest contribution, but I wanted to just say, I back this guy. I can't vote for him, but I believe in what he's doing, and we need to stick together. There are lots of examples of how the other side sticks together. In fact, someone said, and I thought it was kind of interesting, that the left— they tend not to like each other, but they work together. Yep. The conservatives tend to like each other, but they don't work together. And I thought there was some truth in that little statement. And I just think it's important, even listeners around the country, you know, there's still 49 days between now and the election. People can go online. Any American can contribute. You don't have to live in a certain state or a certain district. You just have to be a U.S. citizen, and there are limits on how much the contribution is. It varies from state to state. Here in Florida, it's $1,000 per person. But, you know, they can find out all that kind of thing. And I hope people will respond. It'll be kind of interesting to see if any of my listeners actually respond and help you. And also, if we can get out the vote in that part of the country. Like, I've already contacted my sister who lives in your district and, and told her to talk it up among her friends. And I know a lot of my listeners would know people out in California. And we need to just get out the word at an organic grassroots level because social media is more and more closed to conservatives, as you know. I've seen that Facebook, for example, won't even let us advertise my book, God, Trump, in the 2020 election. They won't even let us do it. And if I post something on my own Facebook page about President Trump, they won't send it out, whatever word they use. It's called boosting. Yeah. Yeah they, you boost it. yeah, they won't let me boost it. But you know what? We can get around them. We have ways to get around. Even this podcast, in a way, is going around the mainstream media. And I'm just doing my part to try to stir people up, to get the choir out to vote after choir practice. I love that word picture. I'd never heard it before. And then in our own areas where people live, they need to plan to vote. And they also need to try to get other people to vote. Everyone has a sphere of influence, and a lot of people feel pretty powerless. In fact, you described it a little bit earlier that people just feel powerless and have kind of given up, but everybody's got a sphere of influence. The people in your family, your extended family, your neighbors, the people who go to your church, people that you work with. You know, most people would have pretty strong influence on at least 25 people. And you're right, if all the Christians got activated and then contacted their friends and so forth, we could win this country back. You know, all the pundits are saying that Joe Biden is going to win. I believe that Donald Trump is going to win, but it's no certainty. And one of the reasons is the dishonesty 
And I'm interested, and maybe you can explain this to me since I don't live in California, but you have a thing out there called ballot harvesting. I never heard of it until about a year or so ago. What is that, and how dangerous is that? Okay, let me say one thing in response to what you said, and this is evident throughout the scriptures that we get the government we deserve. Before God, we get the government we deserve. And because we've been given a stewardship of freedom and liberty, and if we don't exercise that stewardship by voting, then we get the government we deserve. With regard to ballot harvesting, in most states, it has been a tradition that there is a chain of custody for the vote. You either go into a polling place and there's a chain of custody between the people working that polling place and they put it in a box and then they deliver it to the county clerk recorder for counting, or you put it in the mail and the post office is responsible for that chain of custody. Well, California made legal what has always been illegal. It's called ballot harvesting. And technically, I could go door to door or I can go into a nursing home or I can find a stack of ballots somewhere and basically I can bring those in and I could bring in a U-Haul trailer full of ballots and nobody's going to ask any questions. How did I get them? Where did they come from? Et cetera, et cetera. Proof that, you know, you're supposed to sign the back of them, the outside envelope that you are a ballot harvester. But the bottom line is we know of no checks and balances in this system to know if somebody did willingly give their ballot to you, who filled them out or anything else. And so what happened two years ago is elections, some districts got flipped. There was one guy that was ahead on election night by seven points, and he lost by the time the ballot harvesting was done. And what happens here is, you know, for instance, they don't report nationally or on the news. They're not supposed to report any of their polling from people coming out of there as to who they voted for until the polls close at 8 o'clock. But somebody could ballot harvest and hold on to literally thousands or tens of thousands of votes and turn them in after 8 o'clock. They could only have to be postmarked by 12 midnight the day of the election. And if they're delivered within X number of days, they will be counted. California could also register the day of, and their vote will be counted. They've made it as easy as possible to lose control of the chain of custody. And so how are you guarding against that happening in District 24 in your election? Well, you can't really stop the other side from doing it because California made it legal. The only thing you could do is try to do it yourself. And so what some churches are trying to do is they're having what they call Ballot Harvest Sunday, where they're telling the, their congregation, vote, and not just vote, but vote biblically. And then we're going to have a basket up here or a box up here on one Sunday, and we want everybody to bring their ballot in, and the elders or the pastor will bring those ballots in themselves to try to encourage them in their own form of, quote-unquote, ballot harvesting. Wow, this is very interesting to see how it plays out. But what do you think is going to happen with the presidential election? I already told you my opinion, and you and I have talked about this on your radio program. By the way, thank you very much for interviewing me, not once, but two or three times, I think, over the years. And I feel like I've gotten to know you, even though we haven't met face-to-face. And now I'm happy to you know, endorse your candidacy and to encourage people to get behind you. But what do you think is going to happen on November 3rd? Well, 
I have this literal uh, mathematical economic data analyst genius on my show from time to time. I've had him on over 50 interviews over the years. His name is Dr. Gerard Francis Lamero, and he used to be a professional data analyst number cruncher for Hewlett Packard for decades. He's written several books. He's a great writer and patriot. And in 2016, he nailed that election almost within 10 to 15 electoral votes because he takes the national polling and actually goes and scrubs through the data himself looking for fallacies and errors in their assumptions, presumptions, and analysis. He believes, as he did in 2016, that Trump's going to win, but he believes he's going to win by a landslide. Um, he's going to have over 300 electoral votes compared to Biden's in the 100s, if I remember the numbers correctly. And I think that what people underestimate is not everybody tells the truth to the pollsters. And secondly, the pollsters sometimes are not really doing a poll. They're doing what's called a push poll, i.e. they're trying to influence the person they're talking to. And they're trying to influence the people that read the poll rather than giving an honest assessment. And one of the things I can tell you, for instance, is the COVID lockdown in California, which has been heavy-handed and notorious, is actually one of the things that can hand me victory in this election. And that's because we have two major college campuses in my district, the University of California at Santa Barbara and Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Well, as a result of COVID, there may be a significant number of students that are not coming back to the campus. And every one of those students, literally every one of those students is a vote for the Democrat in this region. And to whatever degree they stay home because their classes are online, that is a huge equalizer in this election that's a wild card that's never been dealt before. Well, that's good news for you, and it's going to be an interesting race to watch. I had another podcast with a Christian businessman from Iowa who is running for the state legislature, and we had a very similar conversation. And there are Christians running, but, you know, I have been covering politics and an observer for long enough to know that the political parties, both the Republicans and the Democrats, often are not open to Christians— they consider us a little bit weird, and they think we're too religious, and we're not sure what to do. I backed—in fact, I write about it in my book, God Trump, the 2020 Election, that there was a very strong black bishop up in Michigan who was running for the U.S. Senate, and he could have won the primary. He was on the state Republican committee, and they weren't going to uh, have anybody run against him in the primary, and that he would be strong enough that he could probably, and because he was black, that he could probably pull enough black votes from Detroit just based on that to win the election. Well, the powers that be in the Republican Party decided they did not want a black preacher representing them. I mean, literally, they recruited a white man to run against him. That man won the primary and lost in the general election, and it was just blatant. You know, it was all behind the scenes. The public never knew, really knew what happened, but I tell that story in the book, and it's an example of a lot of things that are happening. So when we see someone that's running who loves Jesus, who loves America, who's trying to do the right thing, we need to support them whether we live in their district or not. I don't live in Michigan. I've never lived in Michigan <laughs> 
But I just felt it was very important, and I worked very hard. I even went up to Michigan and held some events for him and did all kinds of stuff, partly because I knew the man's character, knew how strong he was, not just strong biblically, which he was, he's a powerful man of God, but strong in character and leadership and determination and vision. And the Republican Party is getting a few of these, you know, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. Uh, We all remember the attorney general from Kentucky, whose last name is Cameron, who spoke at the Republican National Convention. He's a very strong black man. You know, we're getting some role models, but we need more of them. I just went on that rabbit trail because I thought it fit in somehow. But getting back to you, I want to go ahead and have you tell me and my listeners how they can reach you. And in the process, I want to give you the last word. Well, thank you so much. So the easiest way is through our website. They can watch our campaign videos and donate there. The website is andycaldwell2020.com. Andy Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L, andycaldwell2020.com. And my email address is andy at andycaldwell2020.com. And, you know, folks, the bottom line here is I believe that the millennial generation is rising up. It's represented by the squad, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and company. And we have literally got to change course and shore up our nation's foundations or they will raise America to its foundations. And if you want to understand literally what their agenda is, look up the Breathe Act 2020. There was a previous version of a Breathe Act, but the current version is Breathe Act 2020. It's not been introduced into Congress yet, but the squad has endorsed it. It gets rid of prisons, jails, detention centers, the DEA, ICE. It supports reparations for people that were in prison. It opens up our borders. It's all sorts of things. It is literally a, a manifesto of what basically will aims to tear down our law, order, institutions, history, and heritage. And we have to withstand that. And the only way we're going to withstand it is getting people elected who can have a vote rather than just a voice. Very well said. And I encourage people to check out that website and to support Andy. And, you know, as believers, we can also pray. You know, there's a spiritual realm, and uh, we can pray for God's blessing and for God to make this happen. And I'll encourage my readers, as I always do on these podcasts, to check out my books, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, and the other books I've written, including God, Trump, and COVID-19. Uh, You can go to my website, stevestrangbooks.com. It's my name, Steve Strang, and then books with an S.com. And they're all there. There are special rates. Every book that you buy there is autographed by the author. And some people like that. So thank you for listening. Tune in again tomorrow when we will continue to count down the days to the election. Thank you for listening. God bless you. 